Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Vossig, and I'm going to be your host. I love finding new authors and new reading material, and I'm really excited to find the work of our next guest, Todd Sullivan. Let's get started. On mic today, we have Todd Sullivan, author of the book Hollow Men. How are you doing this morning, Todd? I'm okay. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I am so excited because I've been going through your book. I really love the themes. I love how it's written. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers. I, I don't do that. But I will say broadly, it is kind of an Asian version of Lord of the Rings. Guys going on a quest. They have a martial arts background. There is some fantastic elements in there. Uh, what's the story mean to you? Uh, the story is really important to me. It's you know, it took about a year to write. There's actually an ongoing uh, series, so there's okay. going to be a second one coming out May 1st. But the story is mostly about artists trying to reach their goal, become successful in producing art, actually. So that's kind of like what the broad theme of the story is, but it's only but it's done through magic and swords and sorceries and dragons and things like that. That's the metaphor that's used in order to convey the idea of artists trying to chase their dreams of becoming artists, become successful artists. Is that parallel to the way that your art came about to you? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, trying to become successful in art, however you measure that, is a very long road and there's a lot of obstacles that you have to overcome and if you've been doing it for a long time you see a lot of people actually uh fail at it they don't really succeed at it so as the young men go towards their goal becoming uh of uh becoming successful uh, you see them fall away you see someone fail and then someone succeed so that's basically what the book is uh covering do you, is writing a passion for you that you, you've had to go to over and over again before you finally succeeded at the book? I wouldn't say writing is a passion. It's something that I do, and I've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, and, you know, you do something long enough, it becomes more of a habit. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing it since I was uh, elementary school. And it's just something that I just kept at for a very, very long time. So it, it's not exactly a passion, more as an ingrained habit. I guess, something that I just continuously do because I've been doing it for so long. That's actually really positive because a lot of the people I've talked to who say they actually want to be writers and, and really feel it's their calling don't write a damn thing every day. They, they, they don't have the habit, much less the talent. I mean, I, I truly think that in, in, in any case, habit usually follow, uh, comes before talent, not the other way around. So uh, like I said, I love your book, but even if I hadn't, the fact that you can actually sit down and write puts you nine steps ahead of everybody else. Right. Yeah, that's kind of an unfortunate thing. Like, for me, I actually write only a single page every day. It's not like I sit down and produce, like, a massive amount of material, like, in a, in a day or a week or a month. I just could do it kind of continuously day after day. And, like, usually when I say that, people are kind of surprised, like, one single page every day. But if you write one single page every day, at the end of the year, you have 300, you know, 60, 350 pages of material done. Mm -hmm. And my novellas tend to be about, uh, about 100 to 120, 150 pages long. So if I do one single page every single day, that's like three novellas in one year, which is actually a lot of, a lot of uh, 
a lot of output. It's a lot of things I've accomplished in one year. So yeah, I mean, definitely one page a day as you go along, or just a little bit every single day gets you a lot done over time. Mm-hmm. Now, to set aside the matter of writing for a minute, when it comes to reading, is this a representative thing of what you personally like to read? It was definitely what I liked to read when I was in high school. Like, I read a lot of Dungeons & Dragons in high school. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of, uh, I don't know, have you ever heard of Dragonlance? Yes. Yeah, so I read a lot of Dragonlance. As you know, Dragonlance has a lot of, um, it started off as just three books, uh, but now it's just like all these, I don't know, there's like a lot of Dragonlance books now. I read a lot of Ravenloft. There's a lot of Ravenloft books out there. So I read mm-hmm. a lot of D&D type books when I was in high school. And uh, I think that's just really the foundation of my writing, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Dragonlance, things like that. So it represents more of what I read in my teens and 20s, more so than I read now. I'm like 42 now. But yeah, it represents what I read, I guess, maybe two decades ago, more so now. So if you were to take this, you're working on a trilogy or a series? It's a series. It's an ongoing series, okay. so there, there's no real, uh, there's no real end to it. It's just an ongoing series. Okay, so you can actually build a, a whole world on a very broad scale, and you know, if you're coming from a Dragonlance background, that's probably something you're tinkering with right now. Right. Yeah. It would probably be as long as new ideas come. Uh, it would probably be an addition, but I mean, it's always going to be. So there's like a, a like I said, the central theme is people who are trying to achieve something. Uh, like usually artists who are trying to achieve their end goals. So that's the central theme. But mm-hmm. there'll be many different takes upon that. And as long as a new idea comes, then yeah, I end up writing another novella based around that new idea. As long as it's kind of in the same mold of the central theme. Sounds great. So new characters, new missions, uh, possibly even new kingdoms. I, I'm not trying right. to give, give it away, no. No, no, yeah, definitely new characters, uh, new new plots, right. And then as I moved, because I was in South Korea when I wrote that one. Mm-hmm. I'm in Taiwan now. So at some point, you know, a character, some idea based around Taiwan as long as it fits into the general theme, uh, will may come into play in the Windshine Chronicles. That was actually what really attracted me to your work, first of all, when, you know, we got together and we started talking. As I noticed, you were in Taiwan, and I figured that's got to influence the story quite a bit because, I, I mean, most fantasy seems to come from uh, European or very, very Western uh, Asian cultures. And to get something from, you know, Taiwan or South Korea or, or wherever, that seemed like I wanted something different, and you definitely delivered on that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I fused a lot of uh, Western and South Korean ideas. Like, I would never say I'm a South Korean writer because I lived there for 10 years, but that's for South Koreans. Like, they are South Korean writers. But my writing is a, a fusion of South Korea and Western uh, ideas into mm-hmm. one thing. So that's what it is. It's, it's basically a fusion of two cultures. And that's great. Um, I, I would almost say I, I would love to read something from a native Korean. But for somebody who came from another place and went to live there and you could experience it 
yourself for the first time and then say, hey, what would a story that you could see from your own perspective what a story from that area would be and what the kind of drama would uh, what would bring out the drama in that. So I think that was really worthwhile. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, so where were you before you went to Taiwan or Korea rather? Uh, you know, I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, okay. and I left there when I was 18. I was 10 years in Atlanta, uh, and then that's where I got my bachelor's at, at Georgia State University. And I was three years in New York where I got my master's. So it's like New Orleans, Atlanta, New York. And then I was in Korea for 10 years, which is uh, almost was as, the lo as long as I've been outside of uh, New Orleans. Like, Atlanta was only 10 years. So that's the progression. And now I'm in Taiwan. I've been here for like six months. And I plan mm -hmm. on being here for another six to 12 months. So you've, you've moved around a bit. Um, and I'm guessing you and I kind of have a similar mindset as you, you like fantasy, you like the genre fiction. Is it hard to find somebody else in the area who really likes that sort of thing? Do you feel on your own, or is there a community there that you've kind of found in the meantime? I wouldn't say it's hard. Like, genre fiction, fantasy, science fiction, horror, mystery, these are actually a lot more popular than lyric fiction. So I wouldn't say it's, it's difficult. The thing is that when I was living in uh, South Korea, I tended to spend the majority of my time uh, with South Koreans because I was trying to capture, uh, I guess, the, the culture and spirit of the country. And you can really only do that if you spend a lot, if you spend a bulk of my time with the people of the country. Because mm -hmm. honestly, it's really quite easy to spend your entire time with like Westerners mm -hmm. or like Americans, Canadians, something like that. So here in Taiwan, um, I've been trying to spend most of my as much time as possible around people who are Taiwanese uh, instead of people who are Westerners or not Taiwanese. So even though it would probably be easy for me to find people who are into Dungeons and Dragons, I actually have people who run Dungeons and Dragons campaigns, mm -hmm. but I haven't made Taiwanese people who do that. So that's really the main thing. Okay, that was kind of what I was getting at. Is has, have the people in these countries embrace things like Dungeons and Dragons, like Star Wars, like Indiana Jones, and I've, I've heard mixed things. Uh, they do watch a lot of Western movies, but I don't think it's, like, they, they watch it, but, but I don't think it's something they do too much of. Like, you know, uh, uh, mangas, uh, comic books, graphic novels mm -hmm. are really popular in uh, Korea and also in Japan, but you know, they, I don't think they've embraced the Western version of it. Not quite so much, no. Sure, fair enough, fair enough. And I mean, like we said, they, they have their own culture and their own traditions that you know, we're just right. starting to scratch the surface of as well. Right, yeah, definitely so. So of the things that they've, they have out there, is there anything that you found particularly interesting that we haven't been exposed to here at all? Uh, the, the graphic novels are really interesting. Um, they are in Korean, so in my Korean, like I studied Korean for two years at the university, at two different universities, and then of course I lived there for 10 years, but my Korean is still, you know, it's functional. So it takes me a long time to read a graphic novel, it takes me a long time to engage in the material in their language. 
but their graph models are very interesting. Um, the there's a lot of the I don't want to say religion, but the spiritual aspects of Kriya and the in the series, there's a lot of ideas about the afterlife and ancestor worship uh, and things like that. So I found that very interesting. Mm -hmm. Here in Taiwan, the main religion is Buddhism. And so you see Buddhist temples everywhere. And to them, of course, it's completely normal. But to me, seeing all these dragons, like dragons are a very big part of Taiwanese culture, it seems like, because on all the temples, there are dragons. And so I don't know what I'm going to end up writing about Taiwan, but I'm pretty sure dragons are going to play an important feature. And, and I'm going to also try to learn more about Buddhism as I'm here, as I'm here. Because, you know, they do things like uh, they burn money for people who have passed away because they think that the money is actually going to be used in the next life. Like these things like, like this will once again be a fusion of Western ideas. But that kind of stuff I found very engaging. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I would be reading your book, I would start a sentence and I would feel like I was in the middle of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And then by the end of the sentence, I would feel like I was in the middle of Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I mean, it was a, a very perfect transition from one to the other. And that it was I, the fact that I was bouncing back and forth was exciting because it really felt fresh and new. Right. Ah, thanks. Thank you. I was trying to go for something very unique. So and that's a comment I get a lot that people haven't read something similar to it. So, yeah, thank you. Have you, uh, what kind of feedback have you been getting from people and what kind of people are, are finding the book? Uh, I think people have been enjoying it. I've gotten quite a few comments, uh, reviews on Amazon, Goodreads, and then different blogs that people had. So, I mean, one did people say that they have never read anything like it before. There's actually a bit of a, a social message or a moral message throughout the story that I think people have found kind of interesting. Um, I think people want more. Like, uh, they, you know, novellas, I read novellas. Novellas aren't really that common. Mostly uh, what people enjoy are novels. They like to see a, a full, a full uh, world. And so one thing people want is more, which is good because I'm actually producing. Like, the one that comes out May 1st is called There Will Be One. And this is a continuation of the story with Winshine and these young men who go on these quests. I'm currently halfway through the third one in the series called Dirt. Uh, so the people who want more are definitely going to get more. But that's been the most of the comments. That is very unique, uh, new take on kind of a fancy world. But they also want to see more. They want to see how the story continues. So if you're, if you have a, a moral overhang to this story, a, a moral uh, driving to it, what would you say that is at its core? If you're you're talking about the need of an, a creator to create. Is there a, a, per, a human imperative to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of it has to, well, part of it uh, has to do with being a foreigner in wherever country you are. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and how, how difficult or easy, well, more difficult that is, and whether or not, you know, anyway, it has a lot to do with being a foreigner and, and like humans being together and things like that. Is this possible? But I'm mean, not to give away what the story is about. But yeah, right. I, mean, I guess I like uh, the kind of the themes of it, whether or not uh, we are 
you know, a global village or are we mm -hmm. not a global village kind of? I could definitely see that. And again, I, I don't get in the business of spoilers, so though I'm I'm not going to blurb it out. But just thinking of, you know, these people are taking it. They're on a, a mission. They're they're on a quest even. And that almost always involves a great deal, different deal of travel going far away from the place in which you're comfortable. That's the position you're in. That's the position anybody who travels is in. And sometimes that's the position we're in, even in our own hometowns, when we're just out of our realm of comfort, out of our realm of safety. Right, yeah, entering into different spheres, no matter what it is. Like, you could do it in your own city, uh, in your own neighborhood, really. But, yeah, definitely when you're an expat um, living abroad, uh, meeting all these different foreigners uh, from, you know, their own separate countries, it's a very interesting experience. And to say everyone's, like, kind of, uh, you know, there's definitely like an us versus them type deal going on, mm -hmm. I think, at all times. So, yeah, yes. <laughs> Is there a certain anything that happened to you when you did go over there that kind of spurned you to say, wow, there, there's, you know, these people aren't, you know, they're different and that, that's not a bad thing, but I really am not comfortable right now. Or I really, I, I really wish things were a little friendlier or I wish I had another opportunity. I mean... I definitely think that, like, whether it's someone from, like I said, like, so I spent most of my time with South Koreans, but at the same time, I was, I'm part of the expat community, so that involves basically everyone's not South Korean, not Taiwan, everyone's not Taiwanese. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, everyone, I think even we in a, like, a, a foreign bar, they would be called, right? So this is the bar where uh, but mostly non-Taiwanese and non-Koreans are. You never really forget that, oh, that person over there, they're from Russia, they're from Australia, they're from South Africa. Like, there's, there's still, there's always a bit of a, um, of a cultural wall, even as you try to interact with each other, that never really goes away. Like, in my opinion, at least, it never really goes away. So, and then even then, we become like the expat community. And then there's like the, uh, the Koreans over there with the expat community. We're in the expat bar because everyone kind of congregates together. So the whole, the whole separateness, us versus them, I think just stays prevalent. It never really goes away. And that's been my experience living abroad for the past, it's been like 10 and a half years now. Because um, I did it straight, like I was in Korea straight for 10 years. And then I went home to America for like three months, and then I came here, and I've been here for six months. So, yeah, the whole, um, you know, uh, everyone's very, very, we try, but we're very separate. I mean, I, in my opinion, we, we tend to be quite separate, no matter how much we try to kind of merge and come together. That's been my experience, at least. It, it has been. And, I mean, I think everybody's kind of feeling that right now, because, you know, with the, the the health situation being what it is, everybody in the U.S. is they're we're being told to stay in our homes and not go out and not talk to people. And, you know, a lot of people were doing that anyway. But now that we're being almost forced to, nobody recognizes the world we're in right now. I mean, even in our own neighborhoods, it's weird to not see cars on the street, to not see people on the sidewalk, not see people in the stores. And we're literally in our own little bubble, even with our own neighbors. That's and it's, it's weird. And I think that what you're talking about there, it, it, it's definitely a shade of it. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see what happens as this starts to gradually, 
gradually return to some type of normal to see how things happen, not only in, again, in people's neighborhoods and people's cities, but also in the country and just in the world in general to see, you know, 12 months from now would be very interesting, I think. Indeed. I'd, I'd really like to see what just changes and what stays the same. How we, do we see anything that, you know, we can't go back from or are we changed or can we really just flip the switch and go back to normal? But, you know, this is what I really enjoy about podcasting. I mean, I really enjoy the fact that, you know, I'm talking to you right now. I talked to someone uh, in England like two weeks ago. I talked to someone in Australia last week. So this is actually one of the cool things about podcasting, actually, that I get to actually look into the window of other, you know, what's going on in other places of the world and talk to people who have like a different experience of what's going on, particularly now. Like, I, it's just quite cool to me it really is and this is i think that I, to say the wave of the future is is understating it quite a bit because right. the fact that you know anybody who thinks they can connect and thinks that they have a message can get it out there and there's no there's no gateway it's just a matter of putting in the time and effort and there, there's so many people out there who have a great story to tell who have great ideas and i mean like i said you can sit down you can write a book uh you write a page a day, and then it's on Amazon. Then literally anybody in the world can buy it. Right. You know, not to sidetrack, but I'm actually watching the old episodes of Star Trek right now. And okay. This is actually kind of funny because, you know, they always have the, the screen that comes down the face. Oh, that's what you see the face in the background. And this mm -hmm. is basically what we're doing. It, it really is. <laughs> I, I don't know. I should probably sit up a little bit because you can see I'm actually wearing my Star Trek shirt. Right, yes. Yeah, because you know it's on Netflix right now, the uh, old episodes of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's uh, 9 o'clock where you are right now, just after 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, 9.21 on April 5th, Sunday. Yeah. It's 8.21 p.m. on April 4th here in Oklahoma, and I'm wearing, these are my pajamas, and I, I think that the fact that we can actually literally talk straight through the planet without any lag whatsoever about whatever's important, whether it's TV shows or a giant plague, and this is, anybody can do this. Millions of people are doing this right now. Right, I mean, two different time zones, too. I'm in the day, you're in the night, so it's just yeah. very fascinating. It really is. I And the fact that if this was happening 100 years ago, which it, for the matter of fact, it did, but people wouldn't know what's going on. They wouldn't know how fast things were changing. They wouldn't know how much danger they were in. And if they did hear anything, they would hear it from the government or the newspapers who would right. have, they'd have their own spin. They couldn't just say, Todd, what's going on over there? What are you seeing? Right. Are you OK? Uh, yeah. and, and this is huge. I mean, I'm hoping, and this might be a little pie in the sky here, but, you know, we might see a decline in, in world hostilities if people get down to the saying, you know, we don't have to have the governments talk to each other. The people can just say, hey, do we really need to do this? Is this worth it? When when citizens can talk. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I hope so, too. I mean, I, like I said, I'd be interested to see you in 12 months. But, yeah, I definitely share your hope. Hopefully so. Absolutely. That's it. Um, so you're working on additions to the book now. Uh, do you have any other projects aside from that? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I, I'm in the final edits of There Will Be One, 
which mm-hmm. comes out uh, May 1st, and then I'm halfway through, through Dirt. This is the Windshine Chronicles. And then, but I also write um, Extreme Horror, and I have a, a, right now a book called Butchers, which is out, that came out in November. Uh, the Gray Man of Smoking Shadows is the second one for that one that comes out uh, in probably like two months. And then the third one in that series is going to be called Most Likely Chingu, which is a Korean word for friend. And uh, that should come out, I suppose, in the next six to eight months. Have you thought about doing a podcast yourself? Uh, you know, the it's, it's a lot of, because of where I am, it's always like a lot of uh, trying to figure out times. And sure. like right now, we're actually pretty fortunate. The signal is fairly clear, but it's not always very clear, actually, um, because I'm talking through, you know, across different time zones and across the world. So I don't know, maybe at a certain point, yes. But for now, it's just it's, a, it's just a lot of coordinating, usually just to get the, the time right and everything. Well, when you say you like podcasts, I just want to point out, you've got a lot of great ideas. You've got a great voice. You've got the patience and the mind for it. Strongly consider it. I'm, I'm just saying I, it would be my book oh, if you have Yeah. No, I definitely will. Yeah, I definitely will. Okay. Um, just for the record, I'm wor- a little worried that we might have some lip sync issues, but I'm going to try to correct that in post. Um, but in the meantime, so your books that you mentioned are available for sale now. Um, Amazon. All right, they're available for Amazon right now. Uh, they actually are on sale. So for Kindle, they're nine nine cents actually. But then for the physical form, they're between five and ten dollars. But yeah, they both are on sale at Amazon right now. That's a fantastic value. They're great books. Um, do you have a social media presence or a website people can keep track on the new works, the, the upcoming works? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm fairly active on Twitter uh, with uh, D-N-E-V-I-U-S, D-N-E-V-I-U-S. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram, just under my name, Todd Sullivan. Fantastic. I'm going to put those in my show notes so uh, people can link straight to your books. They can go to your social media pages, follow you on that. I don't think I found you, so I'm going to look you up, too. Okay, that's fine. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so anything else that you want to go over before we wrap up here? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on, man. Thank you for the book and the recommendation, and I'm looking forward to the next few. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Have yourself a good night. Dad. All right. You too. Bye. I would like to thank Todd for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. Since this is a literary episode of the Hungry Trial of podcast, my community building tip is going to be literary based. If you happen to belong to any literary Facebook groups or Twitter groups or blogs, forums, that sort of thing, see if you can mention some of the books that have been that have been suggested on the Hungry Trial of podcast. The Hungry Trial of podcast is available on my website, www.aaronbossig.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube and as well as Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast distribution service. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.